What happens when black male teachers come together in force, in mass, all in one city, in one place for two days? We're going to talk about it tonight. Welcome, friends and family. It is episode 189 of the Eight Black Hands, the podcast, the broadcast, the live shows, the books, the, the pamphlets, everything. We have done it. We are almost at show number 200, and you are here with us uh, tonight for a very special show. So tonight, we're not going to do the normal thing. We're not going to have segments that get all over the place and all over the map, because we have one thing to talk about tonight, which is Black men who teach what happens when they have fellowship with each other and when they come together. Sharif el is one of our brothers on this show who's always super humble, likes to put downplay the work that he has, uh, he has a, a, a done and established in this world. But we're not going to do that tonight. It's not just about Sharif, but it is oh. about his work, his family, uh, the, his network, his organization, the Center for the uh, uh, Black Educator Development, all in one. So we spent two days in Philly together. Uh, some of us three, three, four days. Uh, I don't know. What, uh, you know, I'm losing, losing <laughs> track of time. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of the most beautiful things ever to see. I, I love to see it come full circle. In 2015, I met Sharif El Mackey at one of these events, and you could have hosted it in in a room, just a small room. Uh, in that that first time that we all came together, man, this last couple of days, we took over a Batman Gotham City like building uh, uh, and had 800 black men and, 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 and some black women and some supporters and allies and friends to spend a couple of days together. Fellas, this is the celebration night of real work happening. I just want to say off the top, this was one of the most fun times I had. Uh, I got to talk to each one of you separate uh, and oh. spend individual time. But then we were all there for our boy. We were all there for, for Sharif to make sure that things were going well for him. And uh, I just had a dope time. I came back really full, like ready to do something. Didn't know what. Got back to Minnesota. Like, well, damn, I shouldn't have came back. <laughs> I, need, I need to do something with this energy. So let, let's kick in and not do the normal thing of like, hey, let's go around and all that stuff. I would like to ask you, brothers, uh, and Sharif, not you, because we, we yeah, just go yeah. talk about you for a second. So, um, what we spent two days together in Philly in this amazing situation. What was your biggest takeaway from the event? What was the thing you came home with as your big headline? Uh, that Sharif is very, very popular. A lot of people love Sharif. <laughs> um, he is, and I mean, it's it's he's he's a diplomat. Like he's a true diplomat, and I think that. Um, he has impacted a lot of people's lives. And it was really cool to see just from, it was, I mean, the, the age range was just vast and everybody was there for Sharif. I mean, I had been on hiatus from a lot of stuff and, you know, I was, I was glad and happy to be in that space for Sharif. And, uh, and it was just, you know, watch, listening to his closing um, and he was just ever, ever so humble. And then meeting his pops and, you know, his people getting to see that. And Sharif and I have talked offline before about, where he started at on some stuff and, and, and his, and his, how he's matured and just over life. And, and uh, I'm just happy for him, man. I, I really, 
I really hope you just took it in. Like those are one of those moments. I don't know how you can recreate. I mean, I'm sure it'd be even better next year, but I'm glad I got to be there for you. So that was my one of my biggest takeaways is that the dude is a, is a living legend and, uh, and, and, he, and, and his people showed up for him. So I hope he left feeling loved and, uh, and appreciated. Raymond, what did you think? What was your big takeaway on your way home as you left early? Mm-hmm. Oh, so so again, right? <laughs> I feel like we too many things that get disclosed on the show. I feel like y'all lack discretion most times. If I if I have the feds after me, man, they gonna get me because of y'all. Man, y'all be putting locations out. I think somebody, somebody jacked up, bro. So so but what happened? What what I miss? <laughs> Yo, they, they do that. Bro, they do it to you. You could be somewhere and they'll be like, oh, Charles is here in the undisclosed location. Oh. Undisclosed location is Chicago. Like, yo, it, 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 yo this is the, kind of, the kind of car he got. This is where yo, he is. Yes. Oh, no, no. I thought I, I thought I said something just now. That's why I was, I was like, what did I do? Oh, okay. Uh, you, you, but you slipped from time to time. Anyway, listen, so it was beautiful, man. It was amazing to be able to, 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 to see Sharif. Uh, Reef is super humble. And he's not the type of person that's going to take any kind of credit. If you ask him right now, he'll be like, yo, this ain't, this is not me. This is my team. Uh, his team was, was, uh, was all over the place, making things happen. Um, and I, I think for me, uh, my biggest takeaway was being able to interview folks, man. And being able to like capture, mm-hmm. capture that, right. Capture other people's like feelings in terms of like what this meant for other people. And um and I, I was super excited, man. Uh, it, it was Keith's first time uh doing a presentation for Energy Converters, and to watch him like interrogate and like do all those other things and whatnot, man. I just think that the future of education is bright if we can keep doing things like this and build off the momentum that uh that that we had in Philly. You know what, um, Sharif, we'll let you jump in and and do your super hey, humble what's your thing. Take away, you're gonna- sir? Yeah, I well, see, I mean, you know, like the words was they were just arriving at my mouth. They were just like at at the lips, and you did that East Coast thing that y'all East see. This is why nobody wants to listen to y'all hip hop because y'all just talk so fast and so much. You, you need to chill. You need some Southern hip hop in your life, bro. You need Maybe. to lay back. Um. Anyways, what I was gonna say was I know Sharif is gonna probably jump in and, and say his team is very important, which is is true, and a good leader does acknowledge the people behind the curtain. And Sharif's got a lot of, especially women, doing things behind the curtain. And Charles had a whole ass booth uh, uh, manned, uh, womaned by mm-hmm. by the Eight Black Hands Literary Society to to uh, further our information and get the information out of the world. Very grateful. Thank you. Mama Toya, Tanae, Jennifer. Can't believe that like folks made the trek and made the trip and made it all happen. But this is what I got out of the event. How much people need each other how alienated our professional lives can be to the point that when you do get together and it's the cookout and there's no prying eyes watching you and there's no, uh, the, the, just the level of letting your hair down and see people kind of breathe and exhale together in the room, uh, be with each other and find fellowship, find similarly situated brothers and sisters who are like themselves. The extent to which that is so needed and necessary doesn't hit me until you're in that room, a room like that. And the thing is, you're not in many rooms like that. What I loved about this one, and and Charles, you'll back me up on this. I know you will. Maybe you won't say it publicly. 
But we're going to go to other conferences and other conventions and other these things uh, where we're not able to exhale fully. Oh, I absolutely said. Yo, you know, yo, what the yeah. hell you mean? What do you mean? Like, he says that every day. <laughs> okay, but I was about to say the other part what oh, might right. make it a little bit more spicy, which uh, is we got black conferences where we can't let our, let our hair down. He says that too. Or let our guy... Okay, all right. Well, then maybe I'm not saying nothing profound. Damn, brothers. Uh, anyways, I was just trying to like you know put it out there that this was a rare cookout. In that there were people that don't even get along that were able to share the room together and be in the same place. It really was like a family event where you saw your cousins and and you saw your people, you know, and you could trust that this was a trusting environment. Like this was a place where we could we could be ourselves. Hell, in my panel, we even talked about CoinTelPro with some folks yeah, who that. lived. <laughs> Through Cointel Pro, mm -hmm. right, with no fear that there was anybody in the room that was pulling no agent uh, provocateur type of stuff in the room. So, anyways, that right. my big takeaway was how much we need each other and we need rooms like this. Yeah, I, I mean, just in response, as you go to Reef, man, I, I would say I absolutely agree with you. Though I think, you know, I I, I had canceled a bunch of other things I was supposed to be at between there, but. You know, I think what Sharif put together and it has so many different people. I think another takeaway is two more that I forgot to name, but I think people watch this podcast. One, we realize a lot of people watch this podcast. Right. And two, mm -hmm. each of us has our own subgroup of people that mm -hmm. like they kind of connect with. Right. And I think it was really interesting for me to see the people that would go up to, you know, Chris afterwards and Ray and Sharif and then the people that would come to me afterwards and just talk. And all of them kind of had a similar message, but they were different groups. And they were like, man, I needed this. I felt seen like you you touched on it the way I touched on it. And I think mm -hmm. the other thing is I think sometimes people can take for granted. Like if you had a TFA or you're a part of like Sharif's thing, you take for granted that a lot of people not in those type of rooms. So having Marquise there off of my team, he had never been in a space like that. Like he had never he was mm -hmm. overwhelmed by it. And I got to watch the conference through his eyes, which was really interesting. So and he was so, you know, excited and, and, and nervous for our presentation because he wanted to do so well because he knew these young black folks that wanted to be educators was going to be in there listening to him about his piece. Like he felt an instant sense of duty and he took it so, so serious. Like we practiced for hours and hours. I was like, you good. But he just kept going through it and through it because he wanted to be perfect for them. That wouldn't have happened without what you did, Sharif. I didn't mean to jump back in, Chris and, and Reef and Ray. No, jump in. See, that's the thing is, part. yeah, we're no longer doing panel style on this show. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so jump I'm back like, in. Giant so, room table. Just, yeah. just, just a quick timeout because I feel like shots are being yeah. taken right now. Some of these panel style shows have gotten thousands of views. I'll leave it there. Why are you so sensitive? Who hurt you, boo? Who hurt you, boo? Why, why, are you, why, why are you defending the unnecessary? That's, you know, some people defend the indefensible. Some people defend the unnecessary. You know, who hurt you, boo? I'm, you know what? You need another hug. You need another hug. Virtual hug. Um, I love you, bro. There it is, bro. I love you, too. Sharif, this was, you know, Sharif. I, I, I want him to get in here, though. So, Sharif, this was your event. And I know what you're going to say, so don't say the stuff right. that we already know you're going to say. Don't say All the right. stuff we already What did you learn this time around? Because this is, this is you know, you've done multiple of these now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Had, so what did you learn and what was your headline and takeaway this time around that was new or different for you? Yeah. I, I think the one thing, um, this is the first time that the four of us, each of us did something, you know, because all of you have supported the BMAX, you know, all the time. Like you showed up, you know, Chris from 10-1-2015 uh, mm. and, and um, 
you know, Cole and, and Ankrum have been to all the subsequent ones, right? But this time was like super exciting for me because each of you also did like a breakout, you know, which was to me was like so dope, right? Like, it's just like that y'all weren't just here to support, y'all were also there to teach and facilitate, which, you know, in addition to the pod, and this was our first time doing a podcast in Philly too, a live podcast in Philly, mm-hmm. which was also, you know, with all the, you know, there's so many supporters of eight black hands and is in Philly. So that was, you know, that was cool, you know, um, but then for Ray to, to bring, you know, uh, black leaders for Cole to, and his mentee Marquise to, you know, facilitate youth, you for, you know, these, uh, you know, these Black Panther Party uh, veterans, right? Like, you know, so all of that. So it was both these, these concentric circles, all like, you know, smack these atoms, right? Like, you know, just bouncing off of each other. Um, you know, that was one. The other thing was like, I, I actually embarrassed myself. I had one of my, my most embarrassing moments too. Like, mm, you let's know, hear about this. What was it? Yeah. So I'm almost embarrassed. Yo, bro. Like, I was so, you know what I mean? Just like overwhelmed at the end, you know, particularly coming off of, of uh, Emden's talk. And it just had me remembering so many different things and so many different connections. Yo, I forgot to thank my wife, um, who's mm. been just like a backbone to me and all, you know, just for me to be able to mm. think and, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like you know how your partners are. You know what I mean? No matter what type of partner you have, if it's your partner and it's your homie, it's your friend. And I was, I was so as soon as I got there, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like that. You know, I was so. So it was like one of my, you know, proudest moments and the most humiliating moment. You know, embarrassed, self-inflicted humiliation. Right? Mm-hmm. I was just, I was so embarrassed. Right? You know. So that was, uh, you know, that was one thing. Um, and I bet think, she understood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, she, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she yeah well, he it. said that kind of slow, so maybe not. Yeah,我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先，我们先
And it was just, it was just very intentional. I, I mean, it was interesting. I, I, I don't know what kind of divinity was in that, man, but you got good people, man. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and the other thing, you know, was, and I did mention this, you know, when we were on stage, because I didn't think I would be able to hold it together, but all these convenings, this is the first one that my mother, Aisha Elmecki, was not there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I was just, I was a little, you know, there are two things that I was a little nervous going in was like, one, if this would be like, you know, like just devastating to me to, you know, real, because as coming up, I kept thinking like, I was one place, I was, uh, I was at a conference, 1954 um, conference in Chicago. And, you know, sometimes, you know, like your, your emotions can kind of be like a, a, a well or a cup. You don't know, like when, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm just not in touch with my feelings enough to know, like when you are like at your tipping point. Yo, bro, they just flashed a picture of me and her in front of like the step and repeat, you know, doing the Black mm-hmm. Power at the 2019. John, bro, I had to leave the room. I have never, I, I mean, I don't cry in public. I look at myself like, yo, I'm hard. Like I can like whatever. Bro, I was, I had to go out. Toxic. Yeah, I, I, I must be. Cause you know, I just be like, <laughs> normally I'm looking at I'm like, yo, stop crying dog, toughen yeah. up, stand up. You know, even to myself, like to anyone, you know, but. Yo, I was on the sh- in the street, on the sidewalk, kneeled down, bawling, just from that picture. And I'm like, what in the hell's going on? You know, like people walking by, like, what's the matter with, you know, and they came out and, and you know, Acacia and, and Liz Thompson and, and others just to like, and I was like, I was like, I'm so sorry. I've never felt that way. So I was nervous about that. Like, you know, like it was mm-hmm. uncontrollable, um, but I didn't feel that, you know, I literally felt like at peace, you know, and I was just like, and the interesting thing, like, this was my first time my father was at a convening and my mother's sister was like, if you bought a shirt, if you bought a, a, a T-shirt, then you probably saw my mother's sister, you know, 80 years old. And st- I mean, she still works at Shoemaker. She still works at old school. Like, I ain't going nowhere. Like, duh, duh, duh. you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of like just energy she has. So I think, you know, one of my big takeaways was just one that and you pointed out, uh, Cole, just this intergenerational piece you know, all the layers of different, you know, different folks. Um, but it reminded me, you know how back in the day you, you you read about it, you hear about like how neighborhoods used to be and like everybody knew each other. And even if they didn't, they had love and they had like this common vision of like what a neighborhood or what a community should feel like, sound like, look like, feel like. And um, that's what, you know, that's what it felt like these uh, those past couple of days. It felt like a, a big behind neighborhood that mm. everybody from all different walks of life and engaging, nodding, hugging, shaking hand, disagreeing, but disagreeing in love, um, you know, with love, with respect. Um, you know, it was uh, it was powerful. It was, for me, it was the most powerful one we've had. Oh, and I said that was the nervous one. Nervousness was about my mom. The second one was last one we did was 2019. You know how you can pause something? Mm-hmm. You don't know mm-hmm. if you get that momentum back. You don't know if people are still interested. They, it could have very easily, people could have responded, yo, that was dope when we used to do it, but I'm on something else now. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, that ain't, that ain't, you know, like that was cool then, not now. I got other things. You know, the fact that it was the exact opposite, it was almost like, yo, there was a hunger. We missed, we missed this, uh, which was really powerful. I did not expect that type of uh, response, man, at all. And that's, yeah. you know, a testament to the fact that people need it. They need that room. They need the fellowship. They need to be like, you know, wherever (laughs) two or more of us can gather. Uh, Mm -hmm. People will. You hit on something that is a good transition to the next question that, you know, we had up for uh, today, which was you. You talked about a very emotional point in the uh, in the two days there 
And I just would ask the other brothers, like, uh, we could go to a lot of these things. It's very business oriented. A lot of times when we go to these, I had more than one kind of emotional moment, but I, I wanted to ask you, black men, did you have any moment in the, um, in the time that we were together during the couple of days where really pierced through that typical professional stuff and got to a different level with you emotionally? Uh, I'll share, uh, since I'm not afraid of my emotions. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to share. At, at least on the podcast, you die. You know, I, mean, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you always in touch with your, your emotions. Bro, listen, I, I did a session, uh, Black Male Homeroom, uh, for the Patreon folks. I'm gonna put that joint in there, uh, in the, in the Patreon so y'all can enjoy it. But, uh, it was standing room only. And what made me so emotional with regards to uh, us having this this conversation that I facilitated was the fact that we were talking about solutions. Like, you know, this was like a conference that was like solution oriented for me, right? Because like a lot of times you can get to these conferences and we we already know what the problems are, right? It's like it doesn't take a it doesn't take a genius in order for you to come in and say, all right, here's problem one, problem two, problem two, problem three, problem four, whatever. But for you to be walking out of here talking about solutions, for you to be walking out here talking about what we're going to do on Monday morning with regards to like these 8 million black kids that are not getting an adequate education, bro, that was powerful for me, man. It was overwhelming for me. Like when I was walking out of that out of that place, just taking it all in or whatever, um, even though the COVID protocols were relaxed, uh, I still was, <laughs> it still was joyful. <laughs> it was not relaxed. See, see. <laughs> Get the screen off of him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, Charles, what about you, brother? Save us, yeah. rescue us for, from this brother here. Rescue us. No, it's all there. good. I think, I think, um, because some a lot of stuff happened right before we did our our uh podcast live, and there was just throughout it, like people were seeking me out, um, that watched the podcast and be like, Man, I know you be feeling like you're crazy, but I'd be feeling what you be saying, or I feel invisible at my school, or I feel like people write me off. Um, or like it was just men coming up to me basically saying that they feel lonely at they on a on their campuses, they feel mm -hmm. lonely at conferences like this, not that one or whatnot. So, you know, that kind of played itself out when we did our panel. And I was talking about that part around like, yo, you need to find somebody in this room because that loneliness will like kill you, right? Like, you know, I used to go to NA with my moms, and like one of the, one of the things they would always say is, you know, uh loneliness is the worst companion when you're trying to like be okay and so to have cats that like was like men that was coming up and saying that i thought that that was really dope i think um there were a lot of parents that folks came and bought the book and then they would download the free stuff that we put out there and it was parents that would that sought me out later and was like thank you so much for this workbook like I, like this is really gonna help me like i didn't know to ask this i didn't know to ask my kid like there was a first section about your kid right your kid like what makes your kid smile and somebody found me and said, I, I don't know. I didn't know what makes my kids smile. I don't know what's the best environment that they work in. I need to go have a conversation with my son when I get home. And I just think stuff like that, like, is, you know, we when we we are, it's not just a podcast. We're four people that actually do this work for real. And there are things that actually help people. And I know we crack jokes. We have a good time. But there are really people that are struggling and hurting and, like, trying to figure it out or don't feel worthy to be a teacher, don't feel worthy as a parent. And got a lot of guilt, like you said, on the stage, uh, Chris. So I think people being able to have a space to do that, I thought that that was like really moving. You know, I'll, I'll say um, 
they did seek you out too. And this is the thing that I know about each of you. You said it earlier, Charles, people like we have distinct voices. And when we do our show, there are very specific people who need to hear individually from us. Uh Like they need to hear you, Charles, and your voice that you bring um, because they're sitting in an audience, not knowing whether or not they fit in with the other eight people at the table with them even. Right. Uh Uh, And, you know, I feel like I get to intellectual folks a lot of times and, and, you know, uh, there are a lot of educators in the room. So Sharif and, and Ray, I mean, there's people that need to hear that in their alienated circumstances at work that they got backup or there's other people that think the thoughts that they hear. But the emotional point for me was a little different in that, Charles, you just said, like, you know, there's a lot of people that are struggling. I don't ever admit that I'm one of them. Right. Like all of this can look real put together and, and it, it could look a lot like the words just seem to roll out. and They just seem to come together and you're so confident. Whatever, you know, we're before cameras like this. We're doing podcasts. We're putting our voice out in the world. It could look real kind of uh, inevitable. It could look like it's just meant to happen and be. And, it, you know, you, you don't know that a lot of this is trauma informed and trauma driven. Like if I had never had things happen that drove me to want to learn more about schools and education and my own kids, you know, um, I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you right now. What came back to me at this particular meeting, because it wasn't the typical professional conference where you just put on your armor and you just kind of go with things. Uh, when I did my panel with the black Panther uh, party members who had lived through some things, um, what hit me in the middle of that conversation it was these were elders who were airing out some of the things. One of the elders there just got out of jail after a 33 year bid, just got out of jail just like eight years ago and has no bitterness, is, is still as resolute about the revolution as ever, still as clear headed about the, the goal and the mission and how we get power. And it hit me in the middle of that conversation that I have people responsible for my upbringing that were part of that group and part of the Black Panthers years ago, who didn't come out positive. As a matter of fact, when the revolution didn't come, some of them actually uh, went into deep long-term depressions and have never came out. And that was the thing that I talked to your dad about, Sharif. Wow. I had a moment wow. where I don't know where it came from, but it came out of me to Damn. say, man, I'm, I'm amazed how you all have processed this differently than some of the, the, the men in my life that I care about who have actually uh-huh. become hermits and um, not really useful to me, you know, oh. after a certain point in time. And it was, it was emotional for me to admit that, that some of, you know, some of the people that are responsible for my primary male development actually are out of the game because the revolution never came and they didn't know how to deal with it. So they weren't like the people that were on my panel or like Baba Hamid, uh, wow. you know. Um, and that was emotional for me to admit in the middle of a professional gathering like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we have a space to where like we can like capture these moments or whatever and like we can be vulnerable in front of people that are listening and stuff, man. This is powerful, bro. This is something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and Chris, like tapping into that, you know, it just makes me, you know, makes me think about like, you know, everything. You know, my wife always says, like, you know, if I'm like, well, so and so is doing it and they're reacting, and she's like, everyone's different. And she just always reminds me, like, everyone's different. Everyone's on their own journey. She believes that everyone's here on life, like, to pick up certain tools in this life. And you can't, you know what I mean? That's what helps me be non-judgmental. You know what I mean? I'm not perfect at it. I still struggle with it sometimes. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I am judgmental, right? But 
remembering that like everybody's on their own journey. Sometimes we intersect, sometimes we don't. Sometimes people are in your life to push you and you're like, I hate you. How blah, about blah, you did this wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they're, they're literally, you know, that, that uh, saying in Shakespeare poem, like life's a stage or it's a play or whatever. It's mm-hmm. all like mm-hmm. folks are literally here to play a certain role in your life to push you and challenge you to do something. Right. So even if they're responded, they responded to their own hurt in a certain way, and that may have been challenging to you, that may have been the little push that got you where you are right now. You know what I mean? Like you may be. Well, as that's assertive. a good way to look at it, my yeah. brother. That's I mean, good... you may be. And you may another be way to look at it is because of that. True, and and you know what? A lot of us became, you know, Charles and I can have lots of conversations where uh, it resonates to me how self resilient and self self sufficient we became mm-hmm. because some people because in our lives that. didn't actually show up the way. Doesn't mean that you stop pointing out. No, absolutely. The fact that there are some people that hit the sidelines when they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And and in some cases, unlike Charles, in my life are still on the sidelines, still yeah. sidelined uh, in yeah. a way that's not them doing their job. So yeah. I'll just put yeah. it. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a valid, too it's much, complex, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a complex uh, situation, but it also reminds me of children of the struggle, which you, you are a part of that, right? Like, so mm-hmm. children of the struggle, I have, you know, I have, you know, siblings, I have, you know, friends, you know, other cubs who have resentment to their to their mm-hmm. parents Absolutely. because they sacrifice so much for the struggle. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, how dare you abandon the family for the community? Like, I've, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've heard mm-hmm. multiple of my peers say that. And mm-hmm. I've always from from just a young age, I've always been like in awe of their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. My I have siblings and cousins and, and cubs who are resentful because of the sacrifices that, you know, a lot of our, you know, elders and ancestors made, like you, you went away or you had to go underground or you, you devoted your entire life or or even Malcolm X, like his Dr. Betty Shabazz, his wife used to say, like, I left Malcolm multiple times because he was given so much of his time to the movement, Mm -hmm. to the struggle. I Mm -hmm. left him. She's like, I came back. I would come back. He would say like, no, come on. We got to stay together. We're a family. But she would be like, no, nah, like you given this, I got, I'm raising these kids, you know, we are, we're doing this and you're out there fighting for the people, right? And and she was understanding and supportive and da, 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 right? But those are the complexities of the relationships of human beings, you know what I mean? Hey, so, Rick, what, what did I tell you at the end, man? As soon as it ended, I said, hey, I, I, I said, bro, go home. He was like, well, we, we going, we, we about to go travel tomorrow. I was like, all right, man. Like, because yeah. I think like, I mean, I was with, I was with, I was with them most of the time, right? And it was mm-hmm. just, but you know, I think it was, I think it was just really interesting, man. And you know, I don't know if y'all know who Dion Cole is. He's a comedian out of Chicago. He's on Blackish. He he was a writer for Conan, but he's incredible, yeah. incredible comedian. He has a new special. But you just reminded me, he reminded me of you just now because at the end of his special, he named his he named the special after his mom. And it starts out with his mom, and then at the end, like he just did this amazing show. Everybody's laughing, and then he like looks in the camera and he looks at everybody, he's like, look. Yo, I, I I come out here and I laugh and I do this and I make you happy and I do everything. I sacrifice these things for you. But I lost my mom. I'm part of this, what he called the 50 Club. And he took this comedy show where everybody was rocking and he like honed in and made people be grateful around where they were and to like look at other people. And I think that you were able to do that. I think you had, there were some incredible speakers that I think spoke to different people at different times. I think that it was a revival for some people. I, I'm, I'm a black boy that goes to, 
revivals is a thing if you like mm-hmm. Baptist mm-hmm. or Pentecost or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a revival for a lot of people. And you could see that different speakers talk to different people in different ways. I love Kenya Bears being there and like what he was talking about and seeing that stuff, man. So I just wanted you to, you have a legacy piece, bro, that people are going to be talking about for a long time. And uh, yeah, man, you know, I, I don't know what the next question is, but I just wanted to, I'll cut the clip for you, Sharif, because I know you're not going to watch it. But I will put it in the group for you later, man. Uh, hey, this the Old Spice, the Old Spice commercial, dude, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's a comedian. The one with the yeah. deep voice is like, oh, oh no, no, the guy that's always that's on black at the the yeah, he, yeah. The funny he don't want to share his Old Spice. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was right, it was a right. good show though, man. It was a good What's show. His name? Dion Cole. Okay, Dion Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will put this in the show notes uh, for folks. Uh, and if you are just joining us now or you're at the halfway mark, just for people listening, a time check on us. We are talking about the BMEC conference, which is the Black Male Educator Conference that just happened in Philly. We were all there and we had some of our eight Black Hands extended family uh, there participating. So it was a great time had by all. I don't know that there's going to be another time this year or next year where 800 black male teachers are going to all be in the same room in the same place. So it's a, it, it's a big deal for us to devote a whole show uh, to okay, this. Time to, for that. Next year when we do 2023. <laughs> okay. There's that. Yes. Thank you for the correction, <laughs> sir. I appreciate it. appreciate it. You will not be on detention. Uh, anyways, uh, so the next, the next question, um, uh, you know, let me just stop and, and say again too, cause I got to keep saying this mm-hmm. Sharif, I got to watch you do your thing. Charles, I got to spend some like time, you know, at dinner afterwards, de- decompressing and Ray, you and I had, uh, time to talk, uh, over a meal also. And with each one of y'all, it's funny because I've known y'all all now for a while, right? But something different came out of each of those conversations that I made note of that I took home with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of relates to this next question. Uh, so, so the question is this, because I, I actually literally don't have to answer this question because it, it's actually it, it answered itself for me in talking to each one of you individually. But what was something that you saw or heard that you can build on um, to advance your own work, to make your own work better? Um, something that came out of this that uh that you took away in private not something that everybody else knows about but you had a moment where you felt like an idea hatched um or something you can build on and if y'all want me to go first i will sure why don't you do that why don't you set the pace okay because mine is mine is very easy mine's not hard uh, uh i can't tell we don't have time for me to go through all of them i mean charles just in the dinner that we had before i left we came up with like five businesses so, 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 so I came home like I came home with like, well, damn, I got like several business plans to write right now after talking. And it's funny, like when I talk to Howard Fuller, I always end up having to buy five books. Yeah, uh, when, I, when I talk to, yeah, when I talk to Charles, I always end up having to start five businesses. <laughs> and and Ray, a couple of things that you said were just things that I knew I had to put on notes of some connections to people I have to make because they're a pathway to me getting to something mm-hmm. that I want. But I think it was you who who said, everybody in the room who's a father, raise your hand. And because uh, we're talking about the black males in the room as teachers. We're not talking mm-hmm. to them as about a father. And you know, and then you turned to me and said, because there were a lot of hands that went up. So there were a lot of, not only are these black male teachers, these are actually fathers. You know that I am obsessed with making the black male father um, 
uh, visible because America likes to make them invisible. And in that moment, I said, I got to stop talking about this as like some form of data point or talking point or whatever. This has to be a, an official project of some sort that I did because it's one of the things I'm most passionate about. I'm passionate about all this stuff we talk about, about education in schools and teachers and how we get kids education, all that stuff. I'm actually most passionate about the fact that there are lots of black male fathers, lots of black men who are fathers. Let me say it that way, um, who are fathers, who are not being given their shine as their positive uh, identity that they should have in being a father. It's not part of how people uh, talk about them, treat them or whatever. Um, and they're being made to feel small in situations where they should not be made to smell, uh, feel small, like in schools or in interactions with their child's education or whatnot. They're not being treated like the president of their child's education. So that for me was like one that very clearly I thought I will build on this. When I leave, I, I, I've, you know, Charles and gave me like eight different business plans, but this is one, this is one that I will commit to publicly and say, I, I am going to work on this in a way that's different than some of these other things. All right, so I'm sorry, long-winded, uh, uh, you brothers. Anything that you came up with that turned into something you felt like you could build on or advance your work through? Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, for me, it was just capturing people's like thoughts with regards to like their takeaways from the conference. I think that that was like super powerful, bro. You know, being able to end up. So first and foremost, right? Like, you know, I, I, I had to kind of acknowledge who I am in this space. Because folks ain't gonna just talk to anybody, right? Like you, like it. It takes a a, a pretty dynamic person to be able to pull some of those A list people that were there out and like put them on the spot and be like, "Hey, I need you to answer this question, right?" So shout out oh. to Reef for for uh, for giving me my press pass and allowing me. Uh... <laughs> Even if I did, I mean, it was revoked after the first hour, but you kept on. You know, you you know you care. But the, yeah, what the people need to know, what the people need to know, is that Ray brought a whole rig. He brought lights, cameras, <laughs> interview equipment, ready to go, and yeah. interviewed everybody from Miss Joyce Abbott. Didn't you? You got her on on yeah. on. You know, she's quick so interview witness that. Uh, so and she was amazing. It was amazing that she was there. But you're right, Ray. You got all these people on tape. You got us and others. Yeah. So I just want to give you your props on the fact that you came prepared. I did. Well, he's been practicing on us for years now. You know, I mean, every time <laughs> we're trying to eat a bowl of cornflakes, and you to turn around, you got the joy to your face, like yeah. <laughs> How you feel about them cornflakes? It's, 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 it's soggy. Yeah, bro. You don't don't just be taping me, Brian. Sign or release his bro. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, but when I called him, when I called him over to do it, hey, this is the first time that he didn't give me opposition. No, because you asked me. No, 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 no. This time is is a difference, right? Because you asked. Remember, right. we had that. We our first retreat. We just like talking and jovial. We turn mm -hmm. around. Rubbit almost said something. He been taping. <laughs> For like 10 minutes, like, hey, Robbie, what you doing? Like, don't be strong with you. I know, I know. And I got to say, everybody knows this about me, is I have a private sense of humor that doesn't always lend itself to having, like, TMZ brother around because he likes to TMZ you to death. But anyways, in this event, we will say, um, Ray, you do you do have a, uh, a knack for it because you were pulling people out. You were capturing moments that would have went uncaptured for us. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Did you have anything else, Ray? I didn't want to. No, no, that's it. It's on you. you. Um, yeah, I think I think there was a few things, man. But I think one is sometimes you just got to put your head down and do that work, whether even if you think nobody is watching, even if you think nobody is going to do anything with it. Like I've gotten so much pushback for putting out these free pamphlets or putting these things out there. 
Um, or you like might feel like alone. You might be like the lone voice in certain circumstances, but it's helping somebody. And if and and I think that you know the takeaway is sometimes you just gotta stay low and you just gotta keep firing. And I think the other thing too is I've been speaking for a long time. I've been a public speaker since I was like 15, 16 years old. And I, I know one of the things that, that makes you a good speaker is confidence, exuding confidence. But there's a, 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 a another side to that, right? Because speakers are always, they, they always seem like they got it all together. And to be mm -hmm. fair, I think Emden did a really good job with the vulnerability piece. So I think that, you know, giving people the mistakes you made and how you navigated through it is powerful. I think that on our panel, it, when we were going to that piece around, you don't have to be perfect. You need to forgive yourself and you are here and you, you got a real opportunity. I think people be needing to hear that. I think that's why so many people were moved at different times, because I think a, I think in this social media age, like where everything is perfectly curated, uh, people are afraid to be messy and to be honest and to be real. Like you started out, Chris, when you were having that conversation. So I think that like, you know, letting people know that mistakes is going to happen, but helping them navigate through it like awareness, navigation, and duty. Everything I create, everything we do as a collective, anything I'm a part of, I got to hit those three things. Are people more aware afterwards? Do they know how to navigate? And do they have a sense of duty to like pass that on? So that's one of the things that I think that I, it, it reinforced uh, when that when that tank was starting to get low. Mm. Mm. Sharif, no, was, that, was there anything, Sharif, that you, you thought, I'm going to build on this moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one thing, and I just want to quickly address, uh, you know, and Cole says this a lot, like, you know, sharing the mistakes, don't don't always just give the finished uh, product. I, I do want to share, like, that's probably, you know, it's just a good reminder for me because I know as a, when I was a, a teacher, and for most of my principalship, you know, I was teacher for a decade, principal for 16 years, right? Like, and so most of that time, I was always trying to share with the students a finished product. You know, and I know one of my fears, Cole, was that I know I got super lucky. I lost my scholarship, you know, when I was in college, you know, had a scout full ride, like, and I ended up losing it my junior year. I, I was kicked off campus. I, you know, oh, I wait, my, wait, 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 tell us more about this. No, no, I'm just going to just tell you like the thing, put that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, but I was always... I was always afraid to tell my students that like, oh, I had to live off campus after my freshman year because I had so many, you know, conflicts with campus police and administration, you know, that, um, that I almost got kicked out of college, right? Like a black woman saved me, like, I mean, saved me. Um, and so like all of that, but I was always afraid because I, what I was nervous about was suppose they feel like, oh, then I can do anything and it's going to be okay. Because mm -hmm. you're, I was just nervous, like how to balance of, you know, because as as youth, you already feel you're invincible, and if it's somebody that you respect, and they like, hey, I made it through. I was just nervous about adding to the the feeling of invincibility, like, oh, then I know, you know, God is just going to take care of it, right? Because literally, that's what it was, right? You know, I said luck, but it really just blessed, and it just happened to be where I ended up doing okay. But I knew so, I had so many peers who were not okay who did not end up finishing who were in jail in indiana pennsylvania right like i mean it was just like that kind of thing so that was and you always remind me and i still like i'm still not 100 percent comfortable with it 
but you know, I know that I I missed some I I did some misses with my youth with the students, like just sharing a little bit of you know I was not vulnerable. Like y'all y'all met Shayna Terrell, and that was like our big conflict when I first met her as you know as as colleagues at Shoemaker. She's like, yo, bro, we don't know nothing about you. I was like, you don't need to. We know what we're trying to do. We know what we're trying to accomplish. All we gotta do is work. You know what I mean? Let's roll up your sleeve, pull yeah, up your I'm, lace your I'm boots up, and get the to work. I'm yeah. with you. You don't need no shit when you start knowing stuff. Yeah, but you know what? Well, let's, well, let's, the actual let's good leadership let's... is that people do know that you're right. authentic, that your relationship, your story. It was. It was when I started being a little bit more vulnerable, not fully, but a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It actually it it accelerated like my effectiveness with my team. I mean, we were already dope, but it just made Shoemaker a radically special place. Right. Um, so that's one thing, Chris. I don't I don't know if I'm like hundred percent there where I'm just gonna be like, hey, here's my memoir, and it's just sharing all the, you know, the bad and ugly. Um, but that is something that I'm constantly wrestling with. Like, and I do know that I had some serious misses with the youth. I just don't know what the right balance is. But then mm. the other thing I want to build on is I want to go back to there too afterwards, Sharif. So okay. do your next one. I just okay. I don't want to leave that. All right. And then similar to to Ray, and I was thinking more or less like writing. Like there were so many just deep connections that people shared. And I'm just like, yo, that's and it, very similar to what, what you all said. Like, this is a narrative that I need to figure out how to get it out, right? Like there were brothers that um, that came up to me and said, hey, I wanna introduce you to this young man who's teaching. He was my student years ago. I didn't even know he was teaching. I ran into him here at this convening, right? And so it's like the influence that he had, and he said, I never talked to him about teaching, but he's now a teacher. I didn't even know he was teaching and now he's here. That's powerful. Donnell mm-hmm. Waters presented. Donnell Waters was one of my eighth grade students, man, at Turner Middle School. Mm. He is Dr. Donnell Waters, and he leads one of the the uh, the IDEA districts in in um in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, you know, let's I- just stop. let's just stop for a second here. And Cole, I want to come to you because I know yeah. don't lose your point. I will. No. I will write down on this point right here. Mm-hmm. You had a student who you looked at as a child. And it was your job to teach them. And they came through your life and through your classroom and they come back into your life in another room at a later date. And they are Dr. So-and-so running something major in education. I just like, like for, and there's two of them like that. I want to move on, you know, to to Uh Cole, but I just want to say, I have to stop there and say, this has got to be one of the joys I'll never have of teaching. Uh, and knowing that you're pouring into young people and you don't always know where they're no. going to go and, no. you, and, and you get to see them come back. It reminds me of an aunt that I have who, who was a kindergarten teacher and she did have lots of people come back no. and see her years later. Yeah. And I always wondered what that felt like, Nothing but like it, man. I'm going to have it at some point. Maybe you, I'll no, 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 Chris, no, no, Chris, you, know, you, so. ha- you have it. Your yeah. tree, right now. your yeah. tree, Joshua the, the three of us are part of your, part of your tree, yeah. bro. The three of us are part of you have that. Like, and I always push this you on this. True, because, but I'm still going to teach kindergarten at some point. Yeah, I know. So. You love kindergarten. That kindergarten <laughs> That's my grade. I'm going to teach it at some point. So You just want to finger paint. In kindergarten. I do want to finger paint for a living. And I do think that that's the point when black children still have all the brightness in their eyes and anything yeah. is possible. And they're still like I'm a magic. Black boy joy. They're still yeah. Be, yeah, they're going to still well, be listen, magic. I, so Cole, let's switch to you, though. Let's go to your point. I don't want to lose your point. No, I won't. And I'll transition even from what you said. One, you have Joshua Stewart, who I trust with, who is a part of my team, and I trust with very, very like important tasks. Uh, and he and he operates 
beautifully. And I think he is like all the best, the, the better version of even you, right? In in that sense. So uh, that no is better version of me. He absolutely <laughs> hey, is. Rick James, what you talking about? He absolutely about? is. Son. Uh, you know, your son is living your dream. This is true. Traveling the country with singers that he don't even appreciate fully the That's way that right. like. It's this like, is who, true. You just own Zoom calls with Snoop. Got you, That's kid. Right. That's um, right. What this is, is true. Troop? Anyway, so um, the other thing that I was going to say, man, uh, but back to what you were saying, uh, Sharif, it ain't, you know, I'm very private. You know this about me. I'm very, very private. I think what, 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 we, what we connected on, uh, we were having a moment and I don't do well with perfect mentors. Like if somebody projects perfection, they're not the person for me because one, I don't believe them. And two, it goes back to black people and, and their feelings of worth. So I'm not saying that, you know, and I think you do this well. It's not saying tell all your business. It's saying I navigated this thing. This is what happened. But this is this is how I came out on the other side. And I had a there was a pastor that I knew that used to be very honest in the pulpit. And he would say, but just because I got through on that mistake does not mean you will. So let me tell you about the pain that was associated with that. And I think that and I think that's the piece. And again, I want to give your speaker some props because we did a little bit. But I think Emden did it a lot, too, where he was. He kind of got lost in the moment at the end, but I think that's when he moved the most people was when he was talking about something very personal where he did not handle it the way that he wanted to handle it. He just gave all those people an opportunity when they confront that piece to like have some type of navigation on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's the I think a generation before us made a mistake where they weren't as honest about certain things and then some mistakes got repeated. Um, and I, I just think that that so. And you and I have shared that you moment. Yeah. But, but Reef, you and I have shared that moment and it helped me out immensely. I think it actually made us a lot closer because I look at you, Sharif. I look at your parents. I look at your situation. I look at the school you went to. And I'm like, we ain't nothing alike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this, this anger is very different from yours. And you was just like, hold on, man. Let me let me holler at you real quick. But it, it moved our relationship miles ahead. You get what I'm saying? And it wasn't just you telling your business. It was yo, this is what happened. This is how I dealt with that, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you mm -hmm. are not alone. And I think that that's the piece. So yeah, it's a fine line. I agree with you, Ray. They don't need to know all your business at all. But I do think you use it as a parable and as a fable to move people forward. Yo, really, really quick, yo. Another moment for me, and I don't want to miss this opportunity to talk about this, was uh me and Reef in our walk, man. We did like a two-mile walk. Uh, this, this joker had me all over downtown, but we were like building. And so... So getting able to like being able to look at Philly and look at the parts that folks, you know, allegedly care about in contrast to, to you know, because I'm, I'm talking to Reef and I'm like, yo, Reef, well, where's all this murder? Where's all this stuff happening? He's like, north, south, west. Right. And like, you know, and I'm sitting and I'm saying to myself, I'm like, but damn, it's not happening here. And it just reminds me of every hood, bro. Like every time you cross the tracks and you have, you know, the black folks on one side and then you got the white folks on the other side and like. It just feels like it's so much care that's put into where white folks are, right? Uh -huh. it, 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 or, I'm, I'm sorry, let me let me change that. Not because it's not the same thing in like urban uh, in uh, in rural areas, but in uh, suburban white middle up upper to middle class areas, the way that folks keep them safe, in in contrast to how we're kept safe in in, in our neighborhoods, it's just totally different. Yeah, I mean we we just we just paused during one of the walks. And shout out to the youngins at, at the center who let us crash their dinner, right? Like the, the young boy, they went off to their own little dinner, right? All the 20-year-olds, we just, you know, but they still were like gracious and let us crash it and things. But walking back, man, 
we stopped and just Google like what was the cost of one of those cribs that was for sale down there. Over, it was almost $4 million crib. $4 million, downtown Philly, old city. Like $4 million, right? And then we we walked by some folks and I pointed to Ray, I was like, neighborhoods like this, and this is this happens all across America, they pay their own security. They add a tax. Like now if you went to them and say like, yo, we're gonna tax you extra for schools across the city because that is a common, that is a public good. It will benefit all of us. They'd be like, no, don't raise my tax. I'll, they'll threaten to move out of the city. But when they come to the, when those neighborhood groups come and say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, ask everybody to pitch in to pay for our own private security, they, they like, oh yeah, I'm all in, right? Because they want this like little private enclave in the midst of chaos, in the midst of murder and mayhem that they could support in different ways. They're like, nah, it's just about us. Not understanding like it's going to catch up to you in some way or the other. So you better recognize. Well, and I would like to give a shout out to the center for having their uh, meeting at one of the only unionized uh, um, hotels. Um, the Lowe's Hotel in uh, downtown Philly is uh, what used to be a bank, apparently, and is yeah, now yeah. a full, uh, big, beautiful, like Gotham City-like uh, multi-floor establishment that hires uh, unionized people. Um Anyway, right? no, so, so, wait, so, so really quick. Well, I'm not going to say the service was good. I didn't really? say all that. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, going too far. You was on one of those unionized waiters' neck. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm him not a saying that. Listen, piece of salmon, but go ahead. I, I, and you, I, I, and you probably listen. yelped it too. Listen. I didn't say it was good. I just said it was like, you know, it's good to, you know, listen, organize. When folks, when folks uh, unionize, that only means that management yeah. is bad. That's not true. Um, workers deserve rights, and they deserve to actually have the full dignity of their employment. Let me um, ask one NBA last playbook. question. What the hell is going on on this show? <laughs> let, let me uh, just ask one last question, because I, I know I had three, but I have a fourth. And I don't know if, if it's so just tell me if it doesn't, if you don't have anything. But um, anything you felt challenged by? Was there a moment of challenge? Because we talked all good stuff. We talked all like, you know, Sharif is amazing. The team was amazing. Black people are amazing. It was, you know, it was black and black, black, black to the black, black kid, black, black. Was there anything that was challenging in this uh, couple of days yeah. uh, that, that you felt personally challenged by? Maybe. Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think uh, Dr. David Johns and uh, his time on stage, it definitely challenged me. It challenged me in the sense that like it was a call to action and then you got everything that happened in Colorado Springs today, right? And so it, it kind of, you know, based off of what he was saying and like a lack of support for LGBTQIA communities and like our abilities to do more. And then when you wake up this morning and then you see, um, you know, folks that are being slaughtered for just being themselves, right? Um, it definitely made me want to do more in terms of uh, being a more, being a being an ally in this space, um, so I, so I'm I'm heeding to that challenge. I, I feel like I do a lot now, but I, I everybody can do more. You know, and on that one, I don't want to answer to that one or even detract it all from the message. But I will say that uh, Sharif has uh, and the team in the center. We have to keep saying this because Sharif is going to kill us at some point. Right. The center organizing this thing has made it as broad as you can possibly be in terms of, I feel like everybody would be welcome. Every black male educator would be 
uh, and and to the extent that they have been challenged to be even more welcoming in more ways, it feels like it's probably one of the best examples of it that I've seen uh, in, in many of that. these events that I went to. So I just want to say that. Thanks for uh, naming that's that. the center's doing. Charles, wh what about you? Anything you felt personally challenged by that you could be real about or you could say, like, listen, this was all great, but <laughs> there were some challenging aspects or whatever. Well, one, I think um, it's sometimes something can be so good that it, it and it, it creates a, a, a non-sustainable feeling or, or something that has to be, you know, uh, like, for instance, I, I probably won't be going to a bunch of conferences, right? Like I'll go to here, here or there or whatnot, but like for Marquise, for my staff, for the other staff that I have, the people that I'll be hiring, it's like, what are we able to do in between these bookend moments of whether, whether it's BMEC or something else, right? Where that type of joy, that type of learning, that type of environment can, can happen and occur. And that's my challenge as somebody who runs like companies. It's some, as somebody who pays people, as somebody who has the trust of people that have said, I will rock with you. I will sweat for you. You know what I'm saying? To like make the dream that you built out come true for these young people. And so like, I have a responsibility the same way everybody else here that's listening that has employees or colleagues. How do we, it, it, won't, it probably won't be the exact same thing, but how am I making sure that I'm continuing to grow my people? How am I making sure that I'm doing everything in my power so my people feel whole and my people feel uh, they are fully, their tank is full so they can pour out to the other people that we have. And how am I putting people outside of me in positions where they can shine and be where they kind of, you know, need to be. Like I said, my, my joy came more from, like I, I got to watch it through the eyes of somebody who's never gotten to experience that. And we all kind of get to experience that a lot. There's a lot of people at those conferences that are professional conference goers that get to be in those spaces a lot. It's a dopamine hit, right? Mm -hmm. But to mm -hmm. see those people that mm -hmm. truly felt alone, that were truly by themselves, like how do I facilitate that person that might be the only black person in their school or that one black man that's getting all the kids sent to them and then they under fire and about to lose their job because their numbers are crazy. Um, and, I, you know, I'll just say, man, we're two or more gathered, right? Like, there I'll be in the midst of them, right? Like, so I just feel like I have to create something like that. Um, I have to simulate that in some kind of way. And I, I think we started it with Marquise doing the Freedom Schools this 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 Saturday, I mean, this this summer. Oh, I, I, and, and there's other people that I want to try to connect him to and our other staff to so they can keep, you know, having that opportunity to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for me, like, you know, there are, there are a lot of, I, th I think, you know, one of the, the challenges for me after any BMEC, you know, like there's this goodwill, this good feeling, but like, you know, that in itself is not sustainable, right? Like mm -hmm. I know some of the brothers that we saw will not be leading classrooms and schools by next year, this time, right? Like, because this in itself is not, you know, if you're constantly facing, you know, uh, racism, you know, in, you know, colleagues and supervisors mm -hmm. and parents. And, you know, we had, there was, and the, the team is going to, you know, look at analysis and just see where they are. We had significant numbers from states that, Chris, you know, we always name, right? Like that these are, this is an open war against Black people, Black educators, Black parents, Black children. Like, hey, you know, like these are states that are just outright, you know, outlandish, outrageous, um, you know, uh, you know, systems that they're trying to double down on instead of dismantle. You know, we're talking about reimagine. They're like 
let's reimagine our racism and see how we can double down. That's what they're reimagining. And a lot of these brothers are going back to those type. They're going back. I mean, we're all behind enemy lines. We're in the borders of, you know, um, you know, America, but they are going deeply into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you know, just challenged, like, you know, there's, it is very hard to even imagine what would support look like at that level, right? Because everything is about like, how do you scale? How do you make it sustainable? But not, not only at the macro level as a, you know, the work that we're all doing, but individually, like how do we help folks, you know? And I, I think one of the things that we're hoping is that people are there and, and meeting folks and connecting folks and, and all of that so that they can sustain, but we don't have like this clear answer or blueprint, like, hey, this is how you fight against the myriad of, of issues that you're gonna address, so, or you're gonna mm-hmm. uh, encounter. So that's like one of the biggest challenges. So it's also like, you know, with, with all the joy, it's also a level of sadness. Like some of these brothers are, are they, they're going back into real hostile territory. If you are a black male educator who is amongst the ones that Sharif just talked about, shoot us an email at info at 8bh.org. Again, that's 8bh.org, info at 8bh.org. If you're listening to this on podcast or if you're watching the show right now, uh, reach out. Be in uh, contact with other people. Uh, um, Have a network. Have a source of connection that keeps you whole and keeps you sane. Because what we don't need you to do is to blow out with a bad knee, like a bad knee. But what we do want you to do is if it's your time to leave, let it be your time, but don't let it be premature because you don't have a network or have friends. Again, info at 8bh.org. I can't say that we're going to immediately jump on the phone with everybody and get to everybody or whatnot, but we will find a way to make sure that all of our people are connected and uh, are part of the 8bh network so that we can keep supporting this work. We are four black men on a black men's show. We are about education and about our children. And uh, we are disconnected nationally in ways that we don't need to be. This event that we've spent this whole show talking about has been about the connections that we need to be powerful and move forward. With that, I would love to run into our final thoughts for the show. We did a whole show on uh, black brotherhood, black fellowship, uh, the complete antithesis to the stereotype of what America wants people to think of when they think about us, because America's a liar. But anyways, I'm not going to keep going because y'all always say, Chris, you go too far. You keep talking to you see, <laughs> see, you make a point and then you go. You, so anyways, I'm going to stop <laughs> and let's roll into final thoughts. Who wants to go first with your final thoughts for the for the people? Raymond, why don't you go first, brother? All right. So um, uh, first and foremost, I want to do an addendum, right? So um, uh, kind of got called to the carpet. Last episode, we talked about us. I talked about a school. I, me, Raymond. Talked about uh, boys prep elementary school, and there was an incident at the school in which a student uh, had a, a kindergartner had a gun in 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 his backpack. Um, I think I said uh, that he was waving the gun around. That was false. That was a misnomer. Uh, he was not waving the gun around. Uh, there was no gun that was raised around. Gun was bought to school, but it wasn't raised around. So want to make sure that I correct that for the record. Uh, uh, some PR firm that I think represents the school asked me to do that. And so I thought that it would be humane for me to do that. And plus no one is uh, uh, removed from being corrected. So I correct that for the record. And that is my final thought. 
Yeah, I appreciate you I correcting that. That's mighty Ray. big of, of you. And if I can get the number to that PR firm, because, you know, Ray spreads a lot of aspersions about me. <laughs> and I'd like him to retract all of them uh, expeditiously. So if that PR firm can please reach out to me. Um, I would also, also like to point out, number one, I, I love the fact this is an entertainment show. I would love I love the fact that we are willing to do what Ray just did. I also like to point out that Ray runs a whole ass charter school network that if he had a problem with anybody, he understands how to use this thing is called a phone and he understands how to be a sucker free. Uh, charter school leader. See, to be a sucker-free charter school leader don't do means that, that don't you do don't that. have a New York, a New York firm calling people. Call talking about, oh my God, can you take it down or edit? You know who did it? You know who did it? I know you said you didn't want to be messy. I I had just I got yeah, you. Back, no, walking back off the ledge, at Cole. Yeah, I got, I got I got you know I got your back. If you didn't want to apologize, and now this is not Raymond talking. This is Charles talking. I think that there's. Uh, uh, issue of priority around that. Instead of somebody getting a small minor detail wrong, uh, a baby had a gun at your school. Um, and it seems like the priority should be better aligned. And you can call me or email me however you want. I don't have a charter school in New York and mm -hmm. I don't give a damn who, what. So anyway, Raymond, I think you did a good job. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't have one in New York either, and y'all some suckers. But anyways, so Charles, you want to go into your uh, yeah, final thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely, because, you know, I, I watched this movie uh, called uh, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. It's a, quite a classic. <laughs> it's you, amazing. you know, my, my man, and then there, there's a scene where he said, my man said he don't want no trouble. <laughs> but I do. No, um, anyway, I would just say, man, um, back, back off the foolery and uh, back into this. Um, I've been blessed, man. I've been blessed to be a social worker. I've been blessed to be in education. I've been blessed to be in healthcare. Uh, it's funny because Sharif has, I've pulled him into a few meetings on my healthcare side of things. And each of those industries has the same black male issue in that they don't have very many and all of them feel alone and attacked. I was a social worker for five years. Um, I was going into homes that looked like mine and the majority of people that went into those homes were white women, not from those communities. Uh, in, 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 in my healthcare piece, there is not a lot of black, like medical doctors and surgeons, and we need more and the way that, you know, but the, but there's misandry and those boys that are in those schools, uh, those boys that are in those hospitals and those boys that are in that system and they need us, but the people that are doing that work are weary. Um, and I wish that we could clone him in those different places. So Sharif, thank you for even taking that call a while ago uh, from one of our top world top surgeons, I mean, doctors, you know, that we got from Egypt um, and just having that conversation around, you know, trying to trying to make this field, all these fields where it's vital to our community. Um, we have to take care of those people that are doing that work and we have to let them feel like they belong. And there's an extra weight. There is a tax. Uh, there is an achievement trauma tax uh, that these people are also carrying. There is um it, it, it what does not allow them to be vulnerable. It does not allow vulnerability in those spaces can get you hurt when you don't have a Sharif uh, around you, when you don't have the right people, when you don't have uh, uh what was his name? Uh, Principal Salome that has your back. I don't want to say his name wrong. Yeah, Salome. You know Thomas what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like there there is um everybody don't have that. 
You know what I mean? And so you created a blessing for people and I hope that people copy it. I hope that people take it and remix it. This is not one of those things where it's like, this was his idea and nobody else should, no, no, no. And if you need to do it differently, do your thing. But we need that not just in this industry of education, because you know, I always, and Sharif, we talk about this. Sometimes I feel bad, like not bad, but you know, I've challenged around this thing around black educators when I was like a social worker and I'm in these other fields. Um, so, you know, I think that the message that you had was universal. Uh, I love all of you. And uh, and I know that was a labor of love, man. I really hope you get to spend some time with your family this week. And uh, and, and Ray, I got your back. However, that thing shakes yeah. out, man. So man, I'm not, I appreciate you. I'm not focused on that. But Ray is about to start his uh, his, his interviews. Uh, AR, uh, IRB approved. And we about to get this thing moving. Mm. So, uh uh, for I'll those that you boy. don't know, for people listening to this and people don't know that he is speaking about a process of how you have to do uh, uh, human data collection uh, in a very principled way when you are trying to get your dissertation. So if anybody was confused by the jargon, because Ray just like spits things out at times, you know, whatever. So I just want to be his, I want to be the random way whisperer in this moment. This man is trying to get his, his dissertation done. Chris, I just uh, want to say as the entrepreneur, all of us mm -hmm. are entrepreneurs, yeah. I would have made $10,000 right now if, if, yeah. if with random Ray like shirts and hoodies. That's right. I don't know why he has coming. done it. Ladies and gentlemen, if, you, if you're listening wrong. to this, just watch our uh, 8BH store and you're going to see random Ray shirts. Uh, yeah, set up. I'm copping so, a couple um, of them joys. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, Ray, I gave Ray a year. He, he ain't did nothing with no, it. No, and it's about to be on 8BH. Um, <laughs> so anyways, let me do my final thoughts because uh, Sharif, I'm going to give you the last word on yeah. final thoughts tonight. Um, I, when I said that each of you, uh, I, first of all, let me be real and honest about something. I didn't want to come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to this thing um I, i've traveled so much this year i'm ready to be done and the only thing between me and the rest of the year my my christmas season and my christmas music and my oddly spiced drinks that i'm gonna have and my wearing uh, uh nothing no normal pants for the rest of the year wearing only sweatpants for the rest of the year the only thing between me and that was this and one other meeting so as trips go uh if this would have been something else i would have been hating it I would have been, you know, just so this was a good one for God to put in my path towards the end of the year because there was so much, so much goodwill and so many people uh, that I got to see and learn from. But each of you, I, I'll go back to it again and say there was a moment with each of you that I haven't had this year at all where it, I had a takeaway and it was like an aha and whatever. And it's possibly because it's the end of the year and I'm about to go into a reflective state. The other thing I will say is uh, I noticed how many people I know who are really amazing in their own right. And I was like, I know dope people. Like, like I got hugs from dope people. I, 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 you know, had a chance to catch up with people I haven't seen in person for a while. And each one is as dope as the next for, for whatever they do. Right. Uh, and I thought, damn, there was a point in my life where I knew dope people, but not dope people that were doing this kind of work, like in life, were, were doing these type of things. I know like Emden by name, you know, I saw Dr. Jarvis and talked to him for a minute and he does like amazing scholarship. You know, saw Heather, y'all know Heather Harding, uh, um, uh, Naomi, other people who are leading whole things. On my panel with the, the elders, I think it was Baba Hamid who said that, um, that women were the backbone of the Black Panthers. And we were at this whole event for Black males and whatnot. We just gave a lot of Black fellowship love and everything tonight. But Charles sold out of his books and had three women uh, who are sisters 
who are the eight black hands uh, literary society leaders who not only manned the table and made the sales Man. and talked to people and pulled people to the table to talk to them and evangelize and got them in the email database so that we can grow our network and told them about other products that we have out or whatnot. Not only did they do all that, in a private conversation I had with them, they just told us about um, the work that they're doing with the literary, literary society on Sunday nights. They've been meeting for a long ass time now. For, for a long time. And they do multiple books. They do multiple things. They have whole committees uh, uh, and an organizing plan or whatnot. Um, so Mama Toya and Tanae and, and uh, Jennifer who came to do that, has often thank you to you, but also uh, Jamoke Hinton, who always has brothers back, no matter what. I've been in, in rooms with, with, with Jamoke where we weren't getting all the love that we should. And she's the one sister who will stand up and say, I love my brothers. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Did that at a BMAC. Right, right. And at BMAC, you know, look at Sharif's team. He talked about his team, his team, his team. His team is women. It's women. It's black, black women. women capable, competent, smart uh, black women. Fire. One who I'm very, when I say a challenge, one of them pulled me aside and challenged me on something that was so refreshing. It was so like she trusted me so much enough to be able to say, Chris, can I talk to you about something? And I was like, yeah. And it was loving and it was family and it was something I wanted to talk about anyways. So, you know, like, like, thank you, God, for putting somebody in my path to do that. Kaya Henderson was there and I didn't get to see her. Kaya is somebody who showed me some respect a long time ago in public in front of other people who made it OK to respect me uh, in this field when she didn't have to do it. She did it just because she loves brothers. She just loves brothers. There are these sisters that we have in our lives who we know for a fact will have our back no matter what. Mm. Like they just pour into you and they don't ask for a lot of it. That's my final thought. My final word on it was, was amazing to see intergenerational groups of young black men, black men with gray in their beards, black men in the middle, some with college degrees, some with not, some there as allies, some as educators. But it was also amazing to see the fact that our sisters had got us. Uh, and and that to me was another one of the big takeaways I didn't talk about. Did I, I'll end on this? The Black Panther Party uh, when uh, when Baba Hamid was talking about that, he was saying we had thirty editors for our newspaper. They were all women. Uh -huh. Like all the organizers were women. Anything that about us that was organized and and made it into words and made it into anything came out of women. I thought, wow, wasn't this history repeating itself? But anyways, uh -huh. we love you, Sharif, and everything. But you got a lot of black women behind oh, you that are actually you making the, the whole work, beef. So. I watched you squash a whole beef. I just want to say this to people. Thank you, Raymond. Thank yo, you for bringing this up. Yo, yo. Thank you for what, bringing this what, up. What? what? Yeah. yeah. So, 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 <laughs> so, so, y'all know in 2015, I was on a different thing. I was on some other stuff in 2015. And, you know, I'm part of the, the original Twitterati, right? Like, you know, I, I, you know, I did some slang, whatnot. So, um, so Dr. Kamika Royal, uh, has had me blocked on Twitter <laughs> for like seven years. <laughs> and she came up to Charles's table and she was buying a book from Charles. And I said, Dr. Royal, you gonna like unblock me from Twitter now? Like, like time that went on and some things have changed in my life. <laughs> I found Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I just so, found it. So okay, go ahead. She looked at me and she said, You said some very mean things about me, and I have a long memory. 
but with all of the grace and the beauty in yes. her face yes, and all of that poise that she has and that beauty that she has, she said, and I will unblock you. And, yes. you know, we can move on or whatnot. So after a seven-year blocking, I got unblocked <laughs> by Dr. Kamika Royal. Yes. Uh, she will be coming to one of our shows because yeah. of Ray. Yeah, December 5th. Shows. December 4th, I'm sorry. We'll be reading, uh, reading her book and whatever. I didn't bring this up because for some who don't know the full story might see it as trite. It really isn't. <laughs> like you do really grow and go different directions in life. Yeah. And uh, 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 I can now appreciate her. I don't have to see her as any type of enemy of any sort. I can yeah, now appreciate bro, bro. her for the brilliant, beautiful person that she is, full of knowledge and everything that she's got. So I need, your, I need your help. No. Okay, what's that? All right, Nicole Hannah-Jones has blocked me. I need you to... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not blocked by Nicole Hannah Jones. So let me say, let me say this, you know, so miracles can happen. Uh, and Ray, you're just gonna have to bump into her. Last I'm time not, I saw I'm Nicole, because of you. she gave me a big hug last time I saw her. This has been a while, but um it, things can happen. See what happens, Sharif, when you bring people together. See what yeah, happens. That's a that's like, a dope story. You know, that's a, I appreciate that. Like, you know, a spot of healing and reconciliation and all those kind of things. Ray, good luck. But uh, you know the <laughs> take us home, Sharif. Yeah, listen, I, I I'm just so grateful for the brotherhood and the sisterhood. You know, again, I just you know, it's too many people to thank. But you know, obviously, people left families, left busy lives, left all kind of things, and brought a lot of stuff with them. Stress, things that were you know that they had to do, all those kind of things. Yet they still came to you know build community, including. Um, the, th the three of you so just grateful starting with my all my family man you know three of my, my three youngest daughters you know everybody you know folks know I have six children the three youngest Jesus. were all <laughs> like damn it was so it's funny when Chris said he had five I was like damn you know what I mean <laughs> knowing I was being hypocritical right um, hey man y'all got hella kids man yeah we got uh, that's 11 12 kids between us bro like yeah man like listen Jeez. 8 billion on the planet like folks gotta you know support Oh, the um, mm -hmm. you know, and this was my 16 year olds. This was our first time at a BMAC. You know, the older ones have have been. This was her first time, um, and you know what she said? She was like, "I was in tears during Dr. Emden's uh thing, uh his talk." I was like, "You were," and she was like, "Yeah." She was like, "I was in tears." You know, she was like, "It was so, you know, just compelling." It spoke to her in in different ways. And my 16 year old, she is not about that book life. She went and she went and found. She's like, I'm gonna get Dr. Shabazz's book and I'm gonna get Dr. Emden's book. I'm like, is it for your library? Or are you gonna read it? She's like, no, I'm reading these over the over the break, you know. And so, you know, just to be able again back to this intergenerational thing, right? And even as a father, that means that, like I always need a village to help me raise all these kids, right? Like because someone may say something, or do something, or or paint a different picture that resonates in a diff different deeper way than we can even if we're in proximity right like and so for her that was a you know that was a really powerful thing you know mention you know my wife and and my my brother Mikael was there my aunt Rosie was there my father Hamid was there right like so this is for me it's always been this way like my family has always been part of the movement and I remember that at the time as an educator I said like listen y'all you know I'm doing this activist work you know, and I'm, you know, trying to be this principal and I was trying to like separate it and do different. And then I remember meeting with the staff one day, like, listen, y'all, I got to be myself. 
Like, I'm not going to share, like, this is what it is. This is who I am. This is who my folks are. And we all, we're all in. Like, our family is all in on stuff like this. And this is the educational justice. Uh, so I just appreciate my family being so committed to, you know, a cause, a movement where they can support and find ways to intersect with the, you know, the work in different ways. Um, again, Dr. Donnell Waters, and I had a second former student, both of these from Turner Middle School student, like, tell me, like in the 90s, bro, these were, these were eighth graders in the 90s, um, who are now both doctors, they're both PhDs, uh, Dr. Nosekir Griffin, who y'all met in Pittsburgh, he had the bookstore, and y'all supported his business, and then he also came to BMEC and had his, uh, his bookstore with his, with his wife as, as well, and so these two brothers, who were eighth grade students and who are now doctors um, mm -hmm. leading leading in their spaces in, in Fort Worth, Dallas area and Pittsburgh. Um, I like it's, it's very few things that bring that kind of, you know, uh, joy. Um, and you feel like, you know what, like it's you're, the baton is is it's already handed off like they're already, um, you know, running with it. And then lastly, Ben, and you all you all mentioned this like outside of my family, my, my team is my family. And I'm just so like immensely grateful um, mm -hmm. to have these sisters. And I, as I said, like in, in closing, for those who were not at BMAC or you've been at previous ones, like none of my team, there was only one person who had ever been into a BMAC besides me. And that's uh, Malcolm Davis and he was on paternity leave. So the one person besides me who had actually attended a BMAC in the past was out on paternity leave. That means mm -hmm. no one besides me on the team had ever been to one. But for them to lift up black men in this way means that it is an authentic part of their core, mm -hmm. right? The, the mm -hmm. understanding of like, I haven't been there, but I have this idea and vision and concept of what it means to uplift, support black men, to center their perspective and experiences and support them and wrap around them and challenge them and also give them the space, right? Like, you know, being a part of it, being a partner and giving them space was like, just, I'm, I'm just in awe of my team. Um, mm. I, I'm literally in, in awe. Like it's, it's I don't, yeah. I, I just think it's, it's such a unique thing to be able to hear something and create. And particularly for like folks who had been to a BMAC before, it could have very easily been like, this ain't how it is, what's going on? Like, and it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, they're, like, oh, well, you know, people didn't have that institutional knowledge, right? Because that's a, 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 mm -hmm. common, a common excuse or a mistake. Like, oh, the institutional knowledge left the school, left the district. So it just fell apart. Like, you might just not be empowering the people who are there that's right. to recreate something. It might just be like, oh, well, you weren't there, so you just don't know. Nah, it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes. this is what reimagine mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, not everybody's sometimes. staff is the same. What? But, um, so, I, I will say, I'm glad he stole that paternity leave perk because before he wouldn't, he had no, he didn't have no paternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I will say this. Because we got a lot of feedback from our staff. Like, hey, this is, this is kind of whack. Y'all need to, uh, Thicken this a little bit, you know. So we're 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 listening. We're listening. Charles is calculating our number. Y'all got fourteen kids division. between y'all. That's, that's <laughs> I'm mortified. Don't put me in that equation. I'm sorry. You what? Know, don't put me know. in that equation. You're part of it too, bro. You got you uh, part of it. You yeah, got you got babies. There's three yeah. of y'all and it's fourteen. That's listen, a wide spread. Listen, it takes a nation to hold us back. Uh, y'all hold us back. Well, listen. Um, 
this is going to be Thanksgiving week for a lot of people, and we yeah, have got a lot of mouths to feed. I'm we sorry, we have expressed no a lot of um, a lot good things. We have jobs, for. yeah. We have a lot to be grateful for and thankful for in this coming week. One of the things that I think we, I, I speak for all of us to say that we are grateful for is the people who share these Sunday nights with us, who share the show. Who uh, who get it to to friends and family and others? We have a lot of people come up to us over the last couple of days and say they listen to us or they uh, they love our show or whatnot. That's amazing, and that is a lot done by the fans. If you are listening to this right now, please, if you haven't subscribed to the show, subscribe. If you haven't shared it with a friend or a family member who you think is in education or cares about the culture the way that we do, please share the show uh, with others. Uh, it's a small thing to ask, but it actually makes a big difference for us. If you need to get in touch with us, our website is 8bh.org, www.8bh.org. Uh, we also have a Patreon, which is uh, the place where we are, 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 to be very honest with you, we have not populated it as much as we uh, as we had intended to. But there's a lot of things that are changing right now, and it is happening, and Charles is doing a good job of administrating our uh, our information that goes there. I'm actually about to start a private behind the scenes show in Patreon for myself so that I can explain to you some of the things that I can't always speak about publicly or don't want to speak about, you know, in the broader public at our Patreon. So if you go to Patreon and you look for eight black hands, you will find us there. We also have uh, merchandise and uh, swag. Uh, and one of the things, you know, swag is good. Ours is dope. Uh, it's doper than most everybody else's. Uh, so go buy it. It's the dopest in the history of dope merch, and we will have more coming to you. Um, but I will say, you know, coming. one of the things of the good team at uh, uh, at BMEC was the fact that they had better merch inspired by Charles this year, uh, including a bag that was uh, inspired by Charles's bag. So yes. So just so you know, and that's what happens when you get uh, staff. Uh, anyways, thank you so much. I want to say. Next week will be our 200th episode. So we want be. to talk to you early in the week about it. It ain't 200 yet. It's 190. It's we're not in the 80s. 80s. Yeah, we're in the 80s, bro. Yeah. 190 next week. Liner yeah. note. <laughs> Liner note. I mean, we can make it like this it's is jumping ahead. No, no, no. I thought this was the 200th one. Am I wrong? Another, we're not at 200. Another two months, bro. Hey, okay, happy birthday, Sherry, no Sherry stuff, Lucas Hall. Happy so. birthday. Happy birthday. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do the, the romper room thing now. And I see Sherry Lucas Hall. Happy birthday <laughs> to you and happy birthday to the others. Thank you all for listening and watching. Apparently, it's not gonna be the 200th episode, which uh, uh somehow <laughs> but it's coming. It, you're it's, just projecting, yeah. Coming. You're, you're uh, speaking, God speaking willing. It out. So, anyways, God willing. Uh, appreciate all of you for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. We will catch you all next Sunday night. Peace.